0: Good
1: afternoon and welcome. It's been a while since we devoted some time to U.S. politics, and today there is a trifecta of important developments to dissect. Yesterday, we heard the State of the Union address where Donald Trump proclaimed that he has accomplished, quote, the great American comeback. It was overshadowed by the public display of animosity and division in their politics. First, Trump refused to shake the hand of Democratic Speaker Nancy Pelosi, and she, in turn, decided to forego the usual ceremonial introduction of the president and then ripped up his speech immediately after he finished talking. Now, that has earned her a new viral Twitter handle, Nancy the Ripper. What do you think of that? Meanwhile, the Senate is set to vote on Trump's impeachment this afternoon, a vote and an acquittal. He is set to win easily. It's hard to see any advantage the Democrats have gained from all of this. Two days after the much-heralded Iowa caucuses, there's still no clear result. A problem with the app, apparently, And it's making them look completely incompetent. So what do you think? The numbers to call... 416 toll-free 866 740 Now, let's go to Dr. Melissa Hausman, who's a professor of political science at Carleton University. Dr. Janice Stein, founding director of the Monk School of Global Affairs at the University of Toronto. And Dr. Ronald Shuren, associate professor of political science at the University of Connecticut. Welcome to you all. Thanks for being with us.
2: Good afternoon. How are Thank
1: you? you. All is all is well here in Canada. Let's start with Doctor Shuren. Uh, the morning after the State of the Union and the whole brouhaha. Uh, what is your take on the way things stand right now?
2: I think we've been brought to a low level, and I regret that deeply. I regret particularly that. Uh, uh, Michelle Obama had said a few years ago, when they go low, we go high. I wish the Democrats were following that advice.
1: Right. Uh, Janice Stein, what do you think of where we're at? I think we are in a period of really dangerous
3: polarization. Uh, You could see it visually in the... Congress last night, uh, by the behavior of both the Republicans and the Democrats. It seems there's almost no bridges left that cross the divide. That is really worrying, Webby, uh, anytime that happens in a democracy.
1: Melissa Hausman?
4: Well, I completely agree with what Professor Stein just said. Sorry, and I guess I would add that um, it would have been nice if The president went high instead of castigating the Democrats for um, the Iowa caucuses yesterday as well.
1: Okay, well, let's talk about the Iowa caucuses. I mean, you know, um, it—it's words fail. It—it's ridiculous. It's like a third world country, and it's two days later, and we don't have a real result.
2: You know, I um, I used to live in Minnesota, where we had caucuses, and I did like that system. It was re- reminiscent of our New England town meetings that I participated in here. Um, obviously, though, all the attention is focused on the monumental screw-up of the app, and it shows uh, never get into technology unless you really know what you're doing, and the Democrats uh, should have learned that from the uh, Affordable Care Act episode a few years ago. Uh, I do not think, and I know I'm alone in this, that the screw-up on the counting of the votes should invalidate the caucus system, and I don't think it should invalidate the Democratic Party. But I certainly think that it's a warning to all of us, before you get into technology involving thousands of people, you really have to test and test and test again to make sure it's going to work, and you have an alternate backup system at all times.
3: Well, let me tell you a Canadian story. Air Canada, our national airline, changed its reservation system. Oh,
1: goodness. Don't. Yeah.
3: <laughs> Chaos. Both to take 24 hours. We're in our six months, and it's still going on. That only to say this is not unique uh, to politics. This is not unique to the Democratic Party or the Republican Party. There is a rush. Um, to put new systems in place that are going to be more user-friendly and people don't learn the lessons that you have to test it and test it and test it before you make it operational, and you have to provide backups. For that first period of trialing, but I don't think it tells us anything about politics. It tells us a lot about technology.
1: Well, I I beg to differ. If I, I think if if some people looking at Democrats as an alternative, and uh, they look at this, and it makes them think that uh, gee these 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 people can't drive a bus, Doctor House Are you flying near Canada now? Well. <laughs>
4: yeah i guess i guess i would just add i have also been a member of two new england town meetings having grown up in massachusetts and i would say the town meetings i've been a member of are much better run but you know we also know there are problems with the republican caucus in 2016 where rick santorum felt hard done by and you know i would also add that they made the changes in terms of the counting issues this year because Bernie Sanders was whining that he got deprived of delegates in 2016. So these changes were actually done to help him.
3: But um, I don't think so we'll have think a friend think we'll who's- Do you think we'll be talking about this in a month?
4: I don't think so. Yeah, but what Well, will it depends be- on what happens in Nevada, you know, because yeah. they were signed up to use this system too, who knows?
2: Yeah. Well, you know, those, but- those who wish us ill, and they could be anywhere around the world, are very happy because anything that causes people to question the validity of an election, a caucus, a primary, uh, weakens their faith in the democratic process, weakens their faith in our system of governance, and uh, that that is a, an adverse thing for for all of us in in our democracy.
1: So let's get to the meat of the thing. I found it interesting that when people, voters in Iowa Iowa were polled, they said they would really much, much rather elect someone who could give a good challenge to Trump than someone who reflected their own values. But then we see Bernie Sanders, who is either a close second or first, depending on whose PR people you believe at this point. Dr. Sharinda, do you see a disconnect there?
2: Three-quarters of the people voted for somebody other than Bernie Sanders. Um, And now some of those also voted for Elizabeth Warren, who presented herself as the more electable progressive candidate. So I don't really see that much of a disconnect. Uh, Sanders dropped, uh, uh, of course, there are more candidates now, about 20 points from his showing four years ago. Uh, The so-called pragmatic candidates, Klobuchar, Buttigieg... And Biden, uh, together, got the overwhelming majority of votes.
1: Well, Biden is, bar- the, the, just uh, for everyone, you have to get 15% of the vote to just be considered what they call viable. As an any yeah. state. Yep. Right. So uh, yeah. Biden is just, just above that. He did way worse than his polling would have suggested. Yeah. What about that, Janice Stein? Well, you know, again, two comments. First of all, Pete Buttigieg is
3: generally considered a centrist candidate, and he did as well as Bernie Sanders, it looks like. (laughs) So we have to be careful about what we're extrapolating here, but on a larger scale... Primaries always favor the most intense and the most committed voters. They are the ones that are more likely to turn out, and that's true not only in the United States, but it's true in in. For example, in our system where we've gone to one party, member one vote to elect leaders and you get a very committed activist group that elects leaders and electability um, is one big factor, but it's not the only factor. And you see increasing gaps between uh, the population when it's polled and the views of party members when they're polled. So this raises, uh, I think, an issue that's going to come increasingly to the fore. We've democratized the way we elect party leaders. Um, If you think of smoke-filled rooms of 30 years ago, those are long gone. But has that reform worked against the resilience and the flexibility of democracy itself?
1: That's uh, an interesting question. Let me give the numbers out again. I'd like to ask our audience, uh, did you pay any attention to the State of the Union address? Does it make you feel good to be Canadian when you look at all those shenanigans and all that really... Really um, divisive and and uh, hostile politics south of the border. We now have a hashtag for Nancy Pelosi, Nancy the Ripper. <laughs> uh, and uh, the impeachment vote is coming up, and uh, that looks like it's going to be, uh, I, I won't call it a non-event, but... Drama. It, yeah. But Trump is set to win that. W- what do you make of everything that is going on south of the border? Four one six three six zero zero seven forty. Toll free one eight six six seven forty four seven forty. And I am talking to three people who are in the know about what's going on in the United States. So let's turn the topic a little bit to whoever the candidate is going to be for the Democratic Party but this whole impeachment process, was it worth it? Did it do the Democrats any good at all, Dr. Sheron?
2: No. Um, But there was no way at a certain point that it could have been averted. Uh, And there comes a point, Nancy Pelosi had said long ago, that she wouldn't pursue impeachment for political reasons, and she wouldn't prevent impeachment for political reasons and i guess at the end she was kind of put in a position of allowing it to proceed uh... trump's numbers are a little bit better than they were before the outcome as you say is foreordained uh, the the information that uh, that is out there persuades people who uh who think Donald Trump has been a deplorable president. This is yet one more set of information to solidify that view, and it persuades people who think Donald Trump is the tribune of the common people who has been persecuted by the, the deep state uh, that, that, that that their position is supported. So we're back to kind of where we were, only with more intensity on both sides.
1: Well, uh, Janice Stein, my understanding is that actually, as at yesterday, Donald Trump's numbers, his approval rating was higher than it yeah. It had ever been because of all this. Yeah, I actually think the impeachment process did harm the Democrats
3: and will continue to harm the Democrats. Because I think that President Trump, um, who's a very skilled communicator um, and is um, expert at mobilizing populist sentiment, I think that he will uh, run against the deep state that impeached him and fuel the kind of um, conspiratorial language that he has used in the past, only more so. Um, so I, I, I think this was something that Nancy Pelosi understood very well. She understood the dangers, she did not want this to happen, but frankly, lost control of her own caucus. Uh, The the pressure from within her own caucus was so intense that when this last story broke, she could no longer resist. I think that was a strategic mistake on her part. As good a leader as she is, um, she put keeping her caucus together ahead uh, of the larger interests and made it more difficult for the Democrats in the general
1: election. Okay, let's take a call from Dennis...
5: Yes, thank you for taking my call. And my comment relates to the state of democracy in the United States, not only with respect to Iowa, but in general. The lack of uniformity in terms of how voting occurs, both both at the state level and at the federal level, uh, is is just fraught with all kinds of problems and difficulties. And I did note recently a poll ranking democracies across the world and, uh, U S democracy was ranked as 28th. And so it's not truly representative in, in my opinion. And the, the, the Iowa poll is just demonstrated of that. It's, in, you know, it's a white population, little or no diversity. Uh, it, I I find the whole system down there completely baffling, to be perfectly honest, and that's my comment.
1: Okay, thank you for that. All right, so uh, Dr. Hausman, you wanted to weigh in. On the earlier round of comments, um,
4: we know that impeachment is inherently a political process. Indeed, the Founding Fathers said so in the Federalist Papers. Um And Nancy Pelosi had to keep her caucus together. She's the Speaker of the U.S. House. That's her job. And the one who's actually supposed to represent the national interest is the President. So there are some questions. But to this to this caller's comment, uh, basically, yes, the U.S. election system is probably the most complicated in the world. And actually, there are problems with it every single in every single election, in some state or another, we've had problems with the electoral college. I mean, you know, we know how this current president got elected. So, problems with elections are not new and different. They always, always happen.
1: Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And do you think that this? Do you agree with Janice that it was just a matter of Pelosi losing control of her own caucus, and it it uh, it was damaging.
4: No, I actually think there's probably they're playing a longer game, which is that the Republicans are defending many more seats in the Senate in 2020. And so if Trump is reelected, probably the hope of the Democrats is to get a Democratic Senate and basically box them in.
2: Dr. Let me Schur? say that uh, in terms of election process, every system has its issues. I don't know about Canada, but I know in uh, in Great Britain there have been times when one party has gotten more popular votes in aggregate than the other, and yet the other party won more seats in the House of Commons, so that party formed a government. So not to- too dissimilar from what we've had here regarding the Electoral College. The other argument in favor of initially starting out with small states in the primary process, is that some candidates are indeed very good at retail politics, and that's an important criterion. Jimmy Carter established himself an unknown governor of Georgia by going literally door-to-door in Iowa and put himself on the, on the political map He was not an effective president in many ways, but some things he was good at in terms of negotiating between Begin and Sadat and so forth showed his strength in that sort of retail interaction, and that was a a, a criterion worth considering. So every system has its pluses and minuses, and uh, somehow or other, we always seem to get through. You
3: know, I would just jump in for a second and say, but the minuses are really growing. Uh, There are gerrymandered districts. There's voter suppression. Uh, You probably have uh, a more distorted vote now in the United States um, than since the Civil War, if you exclude women um, from that discussion. So the the arc of history is bending in the wrong way Uh, here.
4: And of course, we in Massachusetts invented gerrymandering, I would just point out. (laughs) That's right.
1: So, where are we at? Where does this leave everything? Huh. It's a mess. It just
3: tells you that. Every, I guess what I would say is that every generation has to renew democratic institutions and practices. Uh, we cannot treat these as legacies and be complacent. And we're we're in a period of history now. We're not only in the United States, but all across the developed world. We see really fundamental challenges to institutions and practices. And if we can't um, get publics involved
2: in this discussion, um, we put a lot at risk here. We may benefit by encouraging a, I won't, a kind of reverence for institutions. And when that's weakened, it weakens the system in general. And thus, my earlier comment about going high when the other side goes low. Nancy Pelosi's move to rip up the State of the Union speech last night didn't enhance people's reverence for our institutions of government. And I think in the long run, while it may have heartened the Democratic base, it didn't serve us well.
4: Uh, Final, I would add that, of course president trump's lack of shaking the us speaker's hand um also didn't add for to reverence and yeah. i mean i think we have to go back to um you know former speaker gingrich who talked and wrote about blowing up congress Absolutely. and using scorched earth policies so yep. you know yep. this um scorched earth kind of stuff has been around for a while
3: yeah
1: yeah final five just a minute let me jump in please um the final question Trump did cite ASMICA, or the new NAFTA trade deal, as one of his accomplishments. So what is in this for us here in Canada, Janice Stein? Well, two two
3: quick comments on that one. That was the only mention of Canada in the speech. Was the trade agreement that was really striking um, to Canadians who consider that they have a special relationship with the United States? Um, what's in this for us, for Canada to be one? This was do or die. We export seventy-five percent. All seventy-five percent of all our exports still go to the United States. And if we don't have a deep and regulated trading relationship with the United States, our whole economy is at risk. Forty percent of our GDP is at risk. So regardless of the, the new agreement looks a lot like the old agreement, except it's updated. Um, there are principles pulled in from the TPP, which Trump rejected. There are enhanced labor and environmental rights which is something the Canadian government really wanted and couldn't get in the direct negotiation, but got once Congress was involved. So for Canada, simply getting a regulated trading system and a renewal is a huge victory.
1: Okay, Uh, we are just about out of time. Uh, Let's get 20 seconds from each person, starting with Dr.
2: Shuren. Well we're at this at the uh, the end of the beginning, as was said in our in our uh, election process election cycle this time around and it has not started well, so we will have to cross our fingers. you know the average lifespan of a democracy in the course of history has been about two hundred years, and I keep and fearing that uh, unless we're all careful, our time may have come
1: Melissa
4: well again I hope that those who are committed to keeping the system on track will work to do it. Um, there may be some sort of flash in the pan politicians. We know that Gingrich's speakership only lasted four years and actually he got tossed out after the bad election results of 98 and beginning impeachment proceedings against Bill Clinton. So, you know, hopefully the institutions right themselves.
1: And Janice Stein?
3: Uh, we are very early on in the process. And as a Canadian, I have faith in the United States. Um, I don't think what happened in Iowa will have any significance a month or two from now. Um, The real issue is the polarization within both parties. The polarization inside the Democratic Party is very different from that inside the Republican Party. For the Democrats, it's all about can they bridge their differences. And on that everything.
1: Okay. Thank you so much, Professor Janice Stein, Professor Melissa Hausman, and Dr. Ronald Schurin. Appreciate your time. Thank you. Bye, Thank you. everyone.
0: You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one.